Welcome to the Uncovering China's Market Podcast Series. I'm your host, Eldora. I'm with Eggsnote Singapore, Enterprise Singapore's Global Innovation Alliance partner for Shanghai and Shenzhen to help Singapore technology startups and SMEs set up, test bid, and commercialize their solutions or co-innovate with partners in China. Listen in as we explore how things are unfolding differently in the world's second largest economy. Recognize and learn from China's innovation advantage and make it your own. Welcome to Uncovering China's Market with Xnote Singapore. I'm your host, Eldora. In this episode, we have Dr. Bashara Saab, co-founder, CEO, and chief scientist at Mobio Interactive as our guest speaker. Dr. Besh is CEO and chief scientist of Mobio Interactive, a digital therapeutics company he co-founded with longtime documentary director Mark Thoburn. His lab focused on discovering the molecules in neural circuits that give rise to the motivation to explore and how curiosity is linked to learning and mental health. He is an overseas fellow of the Royal Society of Medicine, a member of the Swiss Stress Network, and Canadian nominee to the World Economic Forum as a future world leader. Hi, Dr. Besh. Thanks for joining us today. Could you briefly share with us a little bit of your background with the audience? Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Well, professionally, I classically trained as a chemist. Uh, then I did a PhD in neuroscience with a brief stint doing medicinal chemistry in Glasgow. And then after, I guess, a decade or so of school, I did a postdoc in Zurich and then eventually opened my own laboratory at the Zurich Psychiatric Hospital as a principal investigator, as you mentioned there. And really, my research is focused on understanding this wonderful property that the brain has called curiosity and really understanding the not just the neural circuits and the molecules that make that possible, that make curiosity emerge, but also why it matters to us in terms of the ability to learn about our surroundings and also maintain a healthy mental space. Thanks so much for sharing. If you could share with us a little bit more as well as to how that led you to Mobio Interactive. Great question. So at one point in time, Mark Thoburn, a great longtime friend of mine, uh, called me up and started expressing interest in building a company. He wanted to do something in gaming and health. And eventually he decided, along with a professor at the University of Toronto, to focus on delivering mindfulness meditation on the phone in a way that it could be measured. And he wanted me to you know, put in a little capital, which I was happy to do, as well as help mentor him in terms of how to manage things, because I had already been a principal investigator for a while now, and I had managed a couple other companies. And so I got involved, and the more and more we pushed along this path, the more and more it started to mirror some of the research that I was doing at the psychiatric hospital, and the more and more exciting it became. I remember the moment, actually, when I saw the data that demonstrated that we could outperform placebo when it comes to reducing anxiety in young adults that have issues with anxiety just by delivering meditation on the phone, that blew my mind. We're really the first organization to show that you could teach people meditation on the phone in a way that's clinically meaningful. You know, that's had huge repercussions for the entire industry. This is already six years ago now that we accomplished this. And so at that point, I realized that my potential contribution to society, my opportunity for impact was going to be much greater in this company than if I were to stay in academia. One of the really interesting things about academics or scientists is they do a lot of discovery and they do a lot of invention, right? But how that knowledge and how that technology is leveraged is not up to the scientist. 
It's up to the politician and to the business person. And well, let's just say I didn't want to be a politician. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. So actually just moving on to the next question. In one of your interviews, you had it with Johnson & Johnson Innovation Labs. You've mentioned that China's of particular interest because not only is the leapfrog hunger ever present, but also people tend to be more willing to try new things, especially in the digital realm. Could you elaborate more on why China specifically and share more with the audience on what the China startup innovation industry is like? Yeah, first I'll give a little shout out to J-Labs itself. They've been really helpful for us as a company inside of China, but also globally. I'm really grateful to Sharon who runs J-Labs in Shanghai and her colleagues. The interesting thing I think about the China market is twofold. It's enormous and it's growing fast. And in an industry like mine in healthcare, it's also sort of untapped. So there's not a lot of money to be made, I don't think, in railway in China anymore, right? And many, many other industries. But when it comes to healthcare, there's still a lot that they're willing to, I guess, leverage from foreign IP. And that presents a very special opportunity for companies like us and all other healthcare companies. Yeah. And um, maybe you could also share more a little bit on what are the major differences you see between China and the West? Well, first, I'll get into the differences in a second. First, maybe I'll mention some of the similarities. I think the greatest differences between markets often are due to their size and their perceived place in the market. You find economies like the United States, Germany, China, and these are big economies that are locally you know, the superpower or the largest in the region. And I think that inherently comes with some bullishness, some can-do attitude. And so I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of the entrepreneurial spirit that exists and the drive, the ambition, the feeling like you can make it happen that comes from sort of being on top or being you know, the dominant market in the area. That's a definite similarity. Some of the differences that you might look at, there's always going to be many cultural differences in how people operate with each other. You know, there's very different understandings, I think, of what trust means, for example, in different markets. Also between you know, Europe and the United States, there's big differences there on, on what it means to be honest and what are the actual rules of conduct when it comes to business. And so you need to be, I think, aware of that both ways. If you're from China and you're trying to do business elsewhere, and if you're not from China and you're trying to do business in China, you need to understand that there's a lot more requirement for adequate verification along different steps of the business practices. Because if you don't do that, then you're opening up the door for, let's say, what we might consider as people who are not in China as being a breach of trust. Whereas inside of China, it's just business and it's perfectly normal, right? And that's not meant to be in any way disparaging. You can tell I'm trying to be diplomatic as I walk through this. But the point is, it's a different landscape and you need to structure things accordingly. So that's super important if you're going to China to do business or if you were born in China and you do business, right? I mean, these rules apply across the board. That's one thing that's definitely going to be different is what does trust mean? Where do you have trust and where do you don't have trust? Another thing which is famous, you know, China is very famous for us is Guangxi, right? The necessity to have proper, almost like personal relationships with the people you do business with, particularly when you're doing business with any organization, any large organization that's affiliated with the CPP. And that makes a lot of sense, actually. I mean, one, it's a lot of fun. 
right? Because it means you have to really get to know these people at a personal level and build that element of trust, which goes back to the first point, you know, what does trust mean and how is it? You have to build that personal relationship and you have to understand who these people are in, in order to get the level of, I guess, commitment from them that you need to bring something across the table. And so there's a lot of these very big business decisions that are made on a personal basis. And it's very much, I mean, that's the case everywhere, I think, to an extent. But in China, it's really supercharged. I mean, that's a very much a dominant factor. And I think part of the reason why that is is because there's so much choice, right? There's so much option. It's a big market. There's a lot of entrepreneurs. There's a lot of companies. At the end of the day, you're going to go with the one that you have some good memories with, you know? Thanks for sharing your insights. If I could go just one step further, how did Mobio Interactive kind of meet or overcome these obstacles and challenges? Well, I think it's a little too early to say that we're a success story when it comes to China. I'd like to see us grow a lot bigger there and have a wider footprint. That being said, Mandarin is you know where we have the largest variety of therapeutic content next to English. And it's very much an important and a fun and interesting market for us. The way that we've been able to navigate it is really through local support. So originally we got investment from Sean O'Sullivan Ventures, SOSV, one of the biggest early stage investors in the world. And their capital to us came on the condition that we made a play in the market in China. And so that was it. And we got support there from a program called China Accelerator, which gave us space to operate out of. It gave us a lot of local connections, advisors, et cetera. And thank you to Oscar Ramos and people on his team like William Balbean. So that's helpful. JLabs itself, we're a resident of JLab Shanghai. You know, they really help us, particularly when it comes to go-to-market strategy with pharma companies inside of China. So that local support is really important. And then beyond that, I think it's just understanding that you're operating in a different space. And that's not a unique thing to China. You have to do that everywhere you go. In China, it's a little bit more tricky because of certain infrastructural things like the Great Firewall and the specific legislations that are in place in certain areas. Right? So there's, I'd say, a little bit more red tape for a foreign company entering China. But I think at the end of the day, going through that red tape or satisfying all those hurdles actually makes you a stronger company and more prepared to deal with the market itself. So it's front-ended, but in the end, I think it's worthwhile and justified. And I'm just curious, how does, because you mentioned that, you know, different parts of China, there are some parts that actually have different regulations, might be a bit more difficult to get through. How does that compare to, say, uh, America and the different states? I think, well, certainly in terms of healthcare, I think America is 100 times worse. I mean, it's, or let's say 50 times worth, you know, one times for every state. Healthcare market in the States is much more fragmented, I think, than any other country in the world, really. So I think in a lot of ways, that's another attractive thing about the Chinese market is it is relatively unified, especially when you consider how big it is, right? That makes it really attractive because you can roll something out. I mean, you've seen how quickly companies can scale in that country, right? And a large reason is because it's actually really well integrated you know, from region to region from a business standpoint. That being said, there are different regions that have different rules, different taxes, and different support. But there's a lot of competition between the different regions in China to offer businesses, you know, support. So if you want to open up a business in like a non-urban center in China, there's a good chance that the government will pay like 70% of your salaries or something like that for like most of your employees for a couple of years, buy, you know, 50% of your equipment, give you free office space for, you know, three years and no taxes. You know what I mean? Early on, like they'll make it attractive for the most part. Because that's just a great thing about that, like going back to the top, that market dominant attitude of like, just go get or make it happen, build businesses. This is investing in our future. 
That definitely sounds like a good deal. And it's definitely something for businesses to consider when they head over. So thank you so much for sharing. And maybe finally, as a final takeaway, if you could summarize your thoughts into a personal billboard slogan, what would it be and why? What an interesting question. I don't think I've ever considered a slogan for myself before. But a long time ago, I was having Thanksgiving dinner out on this beautiful cottage on a secluded lake, middle of remote Canada. And this woman that I was having dinner with, there's a lot of a Arabic family thing. She likes to ask these questions to sort of stimulate discussion at the table. And they're kind of cliche in a way, but they're also fun, you know, and we take them seriously because we respect her a lot. And this time she asked for a single word to describe us as individuals. And we go around the table and everybody says their word. And so I'll take inspiration from my selection then. And if I had a personal branded billboard, which I still think is a really weird idea, it would say, you are your own rocket. And why is that? Could you share a little bit more? Well, I think a rocket is an interesting thing. It's powerful. It's fast. It represents breakthrough in technology. But it's also like autonomous. It can be wild. It can go to space. I think a rocket itself, it excites people, excites kids. But it also gets stuff from point A to point B, gets the job done, I guess, but it could explode. You know, the word I chose, obviously, at that dinner was rocket. One word to describe me. And I guess at the end of the day, I, I think I'm a big believer in independence, autonomy, the ability to choose your own path, whatever that path might be. And so I think if you have a rocket, it is going to be you, right? At least that once you grow up. Yeah, I think that would accurately describe a lot of entrepreneurs' journey as well and their startup life. So thank you once again for your illuminating sharing. And we have come to the end of another episode of Uncovering China's Market with Xnode Singapore. Once again, I'm your host, Eldora, and thank you for listening in. We hope you have found this podcast helpful. And do remember to like, share, and subscribe to our series as we are set to interview more up-and-coming startups, business professionals, investors, and change makers in the months to come. For more information about Xnode Singapore and the China Singapore Innovation Launchpad program, do visit www.thexnode.sg. As always, stay safe, take care, and see you around.